Yeah, very thankful that Sam uh, cut out some of the middle bits of the genealogies. Thank you. Uh, So starting at verse 1 of chapter 10. This is the account of Shem, Ham and Japheth, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech and Tiraz. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphath and Togamar, the sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, the Kittites, and the Rhodonites. From these, the maritime peoples spread out into their territories by their clans within their nations, each with its own language. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. And then moving down to uh, halfway through verse 18. Later, the Canaanite clans scattered, and the borders of Canaan reached from Sidon towards Gerar as far as Gaza, and then towards Sodom, Gomorrah, Admar, and Zebaim as far as Lasher. These are the sons of Ham by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. Sons were also born to Shem, whose elder brother was Japheth. Shem was the ancestor of all the sons of Eber. And then moving down to verse 30. The region where they live stretched from Mesha towards Sephar in the eastern hill country. And then picking up the story in uh, chapter 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shina and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. (coughs) So the Lord scattered them from there over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Uh, Thanks, Jilly. Thanks for reading that. I was tempted to find the hardest name and just add that verse uh, to the reading. But... uh, uh, we're going to uh, pray before we look through this. Ignite, sorry, I forgot to print out a separate sheet for you guys to follow, but all the main points are up here, and you've got your pads, I think. So just write them down, and uh, you'll be able to follow along, hopefully. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this time we've had in Genesis uh, since September, as we uh, bring it to a close for now, today. We pray that you'd remind us again of your truths that... Uh, You are a good and glorious God uh, who made all things good and yet we as your people have turned our backs. So we pray today you'd elevate the Lord Jesus amongst us we pray. Amen. 
Uh, well, uh, we all want a good future. I reckon that is a, a fairly standard thing for all of humanity. Uh, the future makes us tick. Uh, so we plan a big braai or a barbecue, if you're not South African, uh, for a weekend's time so that we can get through the week of work. Uh, we've booked our holidays for next year so that we can get through the next few months. Uh, if you're at school, then you're there to secure your future. And it's going to be bright if you stick at it and work hard. If you're working, you're there to secure a future for you and for your family. Uh, politicians, activists, employers, sports teams all offer a great future. That is what they sell. Uh, the Conservative government uh, say you must do these five things to build a better future, as they put it at the bottom of their slogan. It's a future that they're interested in. Uh, Labour, they say that uh, we need to bring pride and purpose back so that we can get the future back. I'm pretty sure getting the future back is an oxymoron, but I, I don't want to... Uh, the front page of the Just Stop Oil website has this quote, No one is going to save us. We need to come together and do that for ourselves. If only the whole world would unite as one. If only we would all just come together in peace to build a strong and stable and equal world where the environment was cared for, where every race or class or nation had no bearing on our opportunities, poverty and starvation eradicated, all the wars would cease. What a world we could have. It's what we pray for, isn't it? It's what God desires for us, isn't it? Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. A unified, secure, very good world was made by God in the beginning. But as we've seen through Genesis 1-9, to if you've been with us, it's all gone very wrong. Uh, we may not all be murderers like Cain of chapter 4, but we have seen week after week how our holy God now sees us, humanity. Genesis 6, verse 5, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Mankind deserves God's judgment, and that is what it got in Genesis. So the great flood of chapter 7 Chapter 7, verse 22, everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostril died. Everyone, that is, spare Noah and his family. So we think maybe Noah is about to bring this new rest, this new security, this new peace and unity. Well, no, we saw last week, didn't we? Noah is laying drunken and unconscious and naked. One of his sons mocks him, curses are declared. And the consequences of sin are still here. Death for all mankind. Genesis 9.29, where we left it last week. Noah lived a total of 950 years, and then he died. So we reach this new section, which we have read today. And it's all about our future. 
it shows the natural desire of humans for a good future. It's what we want. But it explains the realities and the reasons why we actually have a very divided and scary future. And the reason is a shocker. So number one, a divided world. Uh, If you skim through chapter 10, and I asked uh, Julie to read the the relevant verses, uh, you you see a list of family groups descended from Noah. But there's two interesting things that should stand out to us as we read it. Number one, they're scattered. They're spreading out across the world. It's clear as you look through, they're spreading out everywhere, they're scattered. And we might think, brilliant, finally, humanity are doing what God has commanded. If we remember back when Noah came out of the ark, him and his family, they came out in Genesis 9-7, God said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Fill the earth, he says. The future is good, rest is coming, peace and security, because People are obeying God, it seems, in chapter 10. Hallelujah! But the second thing we notice should raise a little bit of a question as to why this scattering is taking place. Uh, Verse 5 of chapter 10, have a look at it if you've got it open. These these are the sons of Ham by their clans. Uh, Sorry, verse 5, it mentions that each clan has its own language. Uh, Let's look at verse 20. Uh, It says it again. These are the sons of Ham by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. Why do all these people scatter within just two generations of coming off the ark? These are the grandchildren of uh, the sons of Noah. Uh, And why are they all called clans and nations and territories And why do they all have different languages? This is not actually a chapter of unified, peaceful humanity living at peace with one another and obeying God's command of filling the earth. This is a divided world in chapter 10. Clan against clan, language against language, race against race. This is the world we live in today, the post-flood world. A world of confusion, of danger, of racism, of nationalism, of division. But how and why did this happen? How did a divided world come about? Well, the answer is in chapter 11. And chapter 11 explains what we've just read in chapter 10. It answers those questions we ought to have, having read chapter 10. So have a look at verse 1 of chapter 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. Of course they did. They'd just got off the ark. It's one small family. And then they've had some children, and they've had some children. It's, it's one language, one people. It also shows us, though, uh, the next part of this verse... What this one language people desire above all things, and you've guessed it, it's a great future. Have a look at verse 4. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. We want our future to be good and great. 
And actually, they wanted to disobey God's command. God said, multiply and fill. And the people said, no. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us unite as humanity. Let us build a tower together called Babel, literally meaning gate of God. Not to get to God, but to be as God. To elevate the pride of humanity. Look at us and how great we are. Join us. Help us build a better future, shouted the Conservative MP of the Shinar Desert Council of Babylon. We've got a five-step plan for this future and it begins with building a whacking great tower. For once we agree, proclaimed the Labour government, together we will restore back the pride and purpose of mankind. Well, we'd rather you didn't use martyr between the bricks, said the climate protesters. But even they have stopped blocking the roads for this building project to take place. No one's going to save us, they say. We need to come together and do that for ourselves. That's where the future lies. If we build big enough, if we build a name big enough for all of mankind, unified completely, we will be great and we will have a future even greater. So why is our world divided? Well, the answer is a shocker. No, says God. That will not be your future. Seek a name for yourself and you will not be great. You will not find security. You will not find peace on earth. In the words of Jesus, a very different time, but the very same message, Luke twelve fifty one. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you. But division. Or in the language of Genesis, notice uh, the mocking language of Jesus. Come, let us build. Come, let us do, say the people. Verse 5, the Lord God came down, uh, Genesis 11, came down to see the city. The tower clearly wasn't that big. And the people, that, the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. And confuse their language. So they will not understand each other. Look how keen mankind is to disobey my command, says God. Imagine if I let them just be unified as one people. Their plans will explode, but not for good. Into endless designs and technological advancements to elevate the pride of mankind. And so another judgment comes in Genesis, this time one of confusion and division, and it's put upon mankind. Verse 8 of chapter 11, So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Uh, Babel, the, the gate of God. God then uses a play on Hebrew words and redefines it as Babel, meaning confused. You, you will not have peace on earth, he says. You'll not make a name for yourself, he says. 
the shocking reason why we have a divided world is that it is God's right judgment upon a sinful humanity. He did this because of our sin. Our fault, but his design. So we are a world of division, of disunity, of wars, of racism, and fear of those who are different. A world of confusion. So if that's, that's the how, we've got to ask, why? Why a divided world? Well, I think it's because God doesn't want us shortchanged. He doesn't want us to miss out. You see, God did not cause a divided humanity because peace and humanity are bad things, but because seeking peace and unity and a secure future outside of God is a bad thing. Uh, The key is in the phrase, let us make our name for ourselves. Of course we believe in good politics. Uh, We most certainly desire peace. We hate racism. We should care for our world. All good things. But the Conservatives, Labour, the UN, Black Lives Matter, Just Stop Oil, none of those names will ever achieve the future that we want. No earthly name ever has or ever will achieve the future we all want. The cause might be good, but the future will never be good outside of God's name being glorified. God does not want us to think that peace on earth is the ultimate end game for humanity. Because whatever we achieve in the name of mankind is nothing and is deserving of judgment before God. God looks on the efforts of mankind to make a name for ourselves and in Revelation 18 verse 5 says this, For her sins are piled up to heaven. It's a tower of sin, a big one, knocking at the gate of heaven. Probably shouldn't have done that. And God remembered her crimes. We cannot build our way up. Instead, God promises to bring down to us what we desire. Uh, Still in Revelation, the Apostle John, who uh, had a glimpse of the future when Jesus will return, he sees a very different building, a a complete reversal of confusion. So uh, Revelation 21 verse 10 says, uh, He carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down. Out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. You see, Jesus is the only name to trust in for a secure future. He will bring a brand new and perfect future that we all desire with him when he returns. It's why he says in John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. There's no peace on earth. There's peace in Jesus. But take heart, he says, 
I have overcome this world. It is going, the new one is coming. Our our peace is not of this world. It is in Jesus and in the future that he holds for us. We have had glimpses of it on earth already. At Pentecost, after Jesus had died for our sins on the cross, rose again to heaven, he sends his spirit upon the apostles, and what do they do? They speak in different tongues, in different languages. So Acts 2 verse 6, uh, When the crowds heard this, the crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. It's a picture of Babel reversed. This is what Jesus does. Jesus' name unites It gives us peace and a future, but not on this earth. We see other glimpses. Christians from all over the world come together and share an inexplicable unity in Jesus, don't we? We're sat in this room together right now. The world loves to aim for this, but never achieves it. But even this is just a very faint glimpse of the future that truly awaits And it's not built in our name. It's built in Jesus' name and by God's own hand. Still in Revelation 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So finally, there is a place for our name. And it's not at the top of a tower. I don't think I want my name on any great human legacy. I don't need a family heritage or a business that I've changed. I certainly don't need Grace Church to remember that great Pastor Sam. Far from it. The only place I want my name, the only place you want your name, The only place you want your children's names is not on a sports trophy. It's not with the letter CEO before it. It's not on some great mission legacy. It's not on some honours degree certificate because you've worked so hard at school. All good things, but not good things, God things. We don't need our name up anywhere. We need our name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. That secures the future we all need and want. And we get our name in this book, not through politics or activism or association or education or playing sports, but through lowering our name, taking it off the buildings, humbling ourselves in repentance before the Lord Jesus and lifting up his name every day, not ours. It's a good question to ask us each day, isn't it, when we have decisions to make, when we're planning our futures. Whose name am I elevating by doing this? 
my name or Jesus' name? Jesus, the Lamb of God, who took our sin and our confusion, who bore the wrath on the cross for us, who rose again, who gave us his unifying spirit so that we might have peace in him, although we live in a troubled and divided world now. We should fight injustice. We should fight racism. We should care for this world. We should work hard. But not in some naive dream that that is what will secure a wonderful future for us or anyone else. Don't be making a name for yourself on the sports field when you could be sitting under the name of Jesus. Don't sacrifice Jesus' name for your own through promotions or degrees. Look after the environment, but don't think that no one's coming to save us. They are. All these ways of thinking mean that we have no future at all. Just misery now and eternal judgment to come. Instead, when we lift up the name of Jesus, when we read his name in the Bible, when we hear his name on Sundays, when we discuss his name in our homes and in our home groups, when we make his name great so that yours and your families and your loved ones might have their name not lifted up but written down in his book. Well, that is a way to live. Perhaps to put the whole irony of Babel in context in one short sentence. Yes, my sermon could have just been one sentence. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, please forgive us for all the times we have lifted up our own names. We do it every day. We do it all the time. We do it in our planning and our thinking. So we come before you in humble repentance. May your name be lifted up so that our name can be written down. If we don't yet trust in you, may we hear your command to repent and believe. And for those of us that do, may we come again to the grace at the foot of your cross. May we lift up your name each day in glorious joy. May we run to your name, the strong tower, and know that we are eternally safe. And may we live each day, while we may have trouble, rejoicing in the world to come as you bring down to us what we need and would want. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.